everyone welcome back to another episode of the coast to coast podcast as always i'm kyle and i'm misha and today we're going to be talking about a couple of action movies that you can find on netflix uh, that can get you through this quarantine uh, and those titles are triple frontier and extraction both netflix produced films uh, we're also going to be talking about the full release of riot games's uh, first person tactical shooter valorant um, new heroes, new maps, everything that comes with the full release. We're also going to be talking about our reactions to the new trailer for Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Uh, but before we get into all that, we did um, think it was important to acknowledge all of the unrest and the protests in the wake of the murder of George Floyd and uh, everything that's been happening with all the Black Lives Matter movements across the country. Um, and we didn't want this recording of our podcast and its release this week to be distasteful. Um, Kyle and I recognize uh, a lot of the inequalities. Um, I think we've both actually been very active in terms of our actions and our reflections um, about our own internal biases and what we can do to be better. Um, you know, I was at a few protests in the San Francisco Bay Area this weekend, so we're definitely in tune to everything that's going on. Um, and if I can take a page from Jonathan Van Ness's book, uh, with the release of Queer Eye's fifth season that came out this week, we don't want this to be a distraction or take away from those movements. Um, but you know, if you, in your spare time you need something to take your mind off of what's going on, um, and you want just maybe a mini escape um, from the somewhat harsh realities of the, the outside world, um, we want us to be able to be here for you guys for that reason. So. Um, don't think of this as ignoring what's going on. Think of it as something um, that you can use to take a break from what's going on when you need it. Um, does yeah. that about sum, sum it up, Kyle? Yeah, we didn't want to do what it seems like when there's an issue, especially with us being two white males, um, for us to be talking about race and for um, the things that are kind of going on can somewhat be tone deaf. So I had a wreck at the end, and I guess I can use my wreck now. It's the book called Stamped from the Beginning um, by Ibram Kendi. It is a phenomenal book. It's, he labels it the definitive history of racist ideas in America. And yeah, don't think we're ignoring any issues. Again, we just don't want to speak on things that we necessarily aren't meant to speak on as of right now without being educated and without actually living what is kind of happening in the United States. But, but besides that, yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's pretty much sums it, sums it up and that's going to pretty much carry on through the episodes that we come out with for, I think indefinitely. Right. Yeah. Cause obviously we prepared for this episode in advance as some of these events have been taking place concurrently. So, um, the content of today's episode might not reflect what's going on, but in future episodes, you know, we'll be talking about, um, you know, black film and television, and we'll try to be kind of increase the range of topics um, that we discuss on the show. And we're definitely trying to be understanding. Um, and again, don't want this to be a distraction. Um, but with that being said, we're going to kind of flip the switch here and get to our first topic, which is a kind of slew of action movies that have become increasingly popular on Netflix. Um, we're going to start with uh, 
a film called Triple Frontier, which was directed by J.C. Shandor and has actually been out uh, for about a year now. It was released, I think, last March on Netflix, um, starring Ben Affleck, um, Charlie Hunnam, Oscar Isaac, Garrett Hedlund, and Pedro Pascal. I think that's everybody. Uh, and it's basically about them trying to pull off this heist and sort of this morally ambiguous mission to steal the fortune of this South American drug lord um, without giving too much away. Uh, Kyle, what were your thoughts on Triple Frontier? Um, so, initial thoughts. Um, it's, it's hard not to think of Ocean's Eleven. I think especially yeah. as Isaac, Oscar Isaac, recruits his like semi-reluctant elite team um, but I th- think like sub out the cheeky humor of Ocean's Eleven and like sub in the grim violence of a movie like The Hurt Locker. And I think that kind of gives you triple frontier. So right. I, th- I think from my initial standpoint, I think Oscar Isaac has definitely a perform a performance worth watching. Um, he's charming. He's pretty magnetic as his character Santiago um he like slowly softens on his tough guy persona as he kind of realizes the true impact of the havoc that him and his team has kind of wrecked um um going through the movie um of course Pedro Pascal is always good you might know him from his stellar performance as Oberyn Martell on Game of Thrones or from his role on Netflix's Narcos I don't sadly he doesn't get too much to do in this film um but again he's he's really good to watch um but from a story standpoint i think that there's a huge pacing issue and we'll get into kind of all of these things but if it's going to be between stream it or skip it i think if you're looking for a good action movie go ahead and stream it yeah absolutely and i think it's actually funny that you mentioned hurt locker because it's brought the script is brought by the same screenwriter who did Hurt Locker in Zero Dark Thirty. Um, oh, Mark I didn't Bull, know that. Yeah, who won two Academy Awards for both of those films. Um, so there's a reason that it, it's uh, it has a very similar tone to it. Um, I also definitely enjoyed like the action aspects, but I think, like you said, there's definitely a pacing issue that I think came from trying to stuff in too many ancillary themes um about greed and like moral ambiguity alongside what's a pretty fast-paced uh sort of action and heist plot um i think especially also compared to extraction triple frontier takes that kind of like trope of basically desaturating every color in the film to make it kind of this like gritty moody give it that that sort of moody palette mm-hmm. whereas what it, i feel like extraction does like the complete opposite and in this very diverse setting of bangladesh has all these like rich colors that really accentuate the action that's going on on screen um that's not to say that like the, the cinematography in triple frontier isn't great it just felt so cold um i felt like i was like looking at a chalkboard the whole time yeah, I think um, when I mentioned, I think there was some pacing issues. Mm-hmm. After the heist, it seems like an hour of just falling action. And I think this right. could be fixed um, by having more backstory for the characters and why their motivation or core value is compromised or like 
causes the plan to go sideways other than just like well they were greedy and like screwed everything up um sure i think maybe move the heist to the end shorten their their evac a bit i think it would make people care more about the characters and not just see that ben affleck had it coming from a mile away (laughs) right sure and yeah i think had they just kind of shifted the series of events like you were saying and maybe even built up the heist a little bit more it would have made the heist feel so suspenseful because like you said like the heist occurs probably around one third to halfway through the movie and by the time it's starting i was like wow we still have like a lot of movie left and i was fully expecting it to be like this series of really engaging events where things go wrong and they do do a good job of like detailing okay they make this decision that compounds even further when they make this decision and the effects just kind of snowball into this disaster. But then it just comes to this like screeching halt when, um, you know, the, the heist ultimately ends and the heat is kind of off of them. Yeah. Also all their contacts and people they rely on come through like the informant, right. the pilot and the captain of the boat. They just trust these people. You could, like maybe show why they trust them, like where they came from, not just like they'll be here and yep, there they are. Like maybe totally. <laughs> the trust they have and the bond with these people they have compared to like their failings within their group could be juxtaposed in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like this almost occurs with the informant. Um, she did it because Oscar vouched for Ben, but could he be trusted? And then he did a lot of mess. He did a lot to mess things up as, as we've seen. Sure. And that was one thing that I also didn't really enjoy too. Well, they, they definitely highlight the fact that most of the mistakes are made at the hands of these, like, I guess they're supposed to be ex Delta force, but I also didn't find that very believable because throughout the course of the heist, like the, the reason that like military special forces are this like vaunted, like, you know, a special force, like literally the word is pretty like conducive to its meaning um, is because they're super disciplined. It's not because they're super strong or they're super fast or like they, they are some of those things, but it's, it's really about discipline. And throughout the heist, they make these super undisciplined decisions where they do everything that they said they weren't going to do in their plan, it, which doesn't really strike me as like super believable for someone who was like ex special forces. But um that was just this one thing I had. And I also slightly had an issue with the way that the the film in the beginning of the movie seemed to sort of like romanticize their sort of like mercenary, morally ambiguous lifestyle. Um, Where, you know, like when Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac are kind of razzing each other in the front seat while they're Ben Affleck's daughter's like in the back with their headphones on talking about like the people he's killed and, Mm -hmm all this like it they almost it kind of made it seem like a country song or like some like good old boys thing where it's like the boys are back in town but it's like they're talking about really grave stuff that i don't think a lot of people would have a really easy time talking about yeah that's true um i agree with the whole special forces thing and i kind of thought about that too because a lot of movies that we see um special forces in it's like i don't know if it's just been so saturated but it's mm. like you have like this action movie we didn't really get it in extraction we didn't really get his background he was i guess more of a mercenary but it's just like introduce this guy 
he's a former seal or a former it's like okay of course he is like why not because <laughs> right, that's right. in every movie but then yeah they they just only show them as like they can out you know shoot everyone they're like super strong have these crazy combat techniques which again is true but again like you said the mental toughness and the discipline of those types of people also need to be shown and that doesn't really happen a lot in i think in hollywood in general unless you get some like more specific movies i think like zero dark 30 or like lone survivor um those types of films like kind of get it right but you're not going to get that in a b to c plot netflix original right um, yeah, like and ju- like just one example of that discipline that we're referencing. For instance, Ben Affleck's character is sort of heralded as this guy who is like comes up with these battle plans um, and always sticks to a window, but yet somehow uncharacteristically, you know, I guess his really only motivation is greed. He misses a window by like fifteen minutes, which yeah. you know that's what that discipline is what makes these people as special as they are, or the fact that they have 250 million dollars as opposed to the 70 they were supposed to leave with which completely throws off the plan for like the weight of the helicopter just like the small detail yeah that was my next point in my notes it's like they knew the helicopter wouldn't make it with 250 million attached and it's like seemed like no one was fine with just taking 60 or 70 million or heck like even 125 million instead like they literally crashed the helicopter due to them taking more money than what they were supposed to and like it even looked like there was room in the chopper for like a few more suitcases but instead they forced the massive net to hang off and carry it away over i don't know several hundreds of miles which i wasn't really sure that was realistic as well right yeah that like helicopters are made out for cross-continental trips (laughs) right yeah yeah yeah, and I, I like what I couldn't. Obviously, there's like greed is kind of at the center of the theme, the themes in this movie, and I'm not really sure what they're trying to say about greed. Was that just like greed corrupts even people like these people who wouldn't necessarily make undisciplined decisions, or you know they do kind of play a little bit on like the PTSD theme behind each of these characters um, and the sort of war torn. Uh, nature of these people is it that they felt like that they were owed something because of their service to their country so the the theme of greed was kind of muddled and like pulled in several different directions yeah and I I didn't really agree with so at the end when they make it back and they're dealing with the accountant or whoever for the will or for the new foundation or whatever for Ben Affleck's character Hmm. Oscar Isaac or no, it was Charlie Hunnan's character decided to donate his portion, and they all kind of donated. I don't really agree with that sentiment. I think, I mean, it's nice to do, but if I was in that situation, I think I would have kept the money for myself because this greed is ultimately what put them in this situation. And to go through all that and then to just give it away, essentially, or I guess donate it to the this guy who you know caused all of this i don't know it, it seemed right. odd i don't i don't know if i agreed with that but i guess it was nice for a movie sure and 
Yeah, I, I, the resolution of the plot felt very strange. Um, it seemed like they still almost like were rewarded somehow for the course of action that they took. Um, because at, at one point, you know, when Ben Affleck's obviously big spoiler alert here, Ben Affleck's character meets his demise. Um, they mm-hmm. sort of externalize that their sole mission is to get him to this boat and get him out of there. Yet somehow they still come away with like five million apiece. It, you know that, that that just felt a little weird to me, especially after this sort of like symbolic gesture where they dump all of this money out into this ravine as sort of like them shedding um, that which really weighed down their conscience. And then all of a sudden they're still in it for the money, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And throughout much of it, especially like the post heist action, I couldn't help but like continually think that basically these guys were just as bad as Lorea in terms of like, killing and greed and decimating like the local population of I think it was like Peru or something that they were in mm-hmm. yeah or outside Bolivia mm-hmm. did you see um, Steve McQueen's Widows uh, no that actually isn't one that I've seen but it was one that when it was in theaters I really wanted to wanted to see just never got around to seeing it so like so that movie is it kind of plays on the same similar ideas of like heist as survival concept um Mm -hmm. and i think this movie kind of lacks the frantic desperation that Mm -hmm. widows had and kind of like tries to rationalize like the ultimately like deplorable actions of the protagonist but Mm -hmm. in triple frontier unlike widows they come off like as super unsympathetic despite like this roguish charm that they all totally. kind of like portray and i think it it might be due to the lack of character development which means we never really invested in like their brotherhood or like their shared motivations and i think it kind of ends up again kind of empty and and somewhat avoidable unlike widows which kind of the first right. half of Widows is them like you learn about their relationships and why they're doing this and, and then when things kind of go sideways towards the third act of the film you're a little bit more invested and you want these people to get out alive. Right. I feel like the only serious character arc that we witness in the story is Ben Affleck's characters and mm-hmm. that's really to amplify the themes that they explore after his death. You know, everyone else is is pretty much like very flat characters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even Oscar Isaac, who I'd say was like the strongest performance in this film, did his character basically spent most of the movie just like rationalizing every bad decision they made. And it wasn't until the end, with this sort of like half-hearted, weird apology that he makes to Charlie Hunnam's character, that he sort of like comes around. Um, and I feel like they really could have made that moment a lot more profound. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just kind of like missed the mark there. Yeah, and I saw an article on IMDb when this first came out on Netflix, and it actually showed that there were actually a lot of really high-priced people attached to this movie at first, and they actually ended up dropping out. Yeah, Did you see dude, that? I saw this too. Yeah, go ahead with the list if you want. <laughs> so we had Will Smith, Tom Hardy, Channing Tatum, 
Leonardo DiCaprio, Johnny Depp, Mahershala, Mahershala Ali, Denzel Washington, Tom Mark Hanks, Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg, Casey Affleck, <laughs> yeah. and Sean Penn. Right. Um, and the idea for this movie has basically been around since like 2010, I think, which is why so many people dropped out of the production. Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, I think with those with those people, it would have been phenomenal, I think. Um, sure. I think even um, Christian Bale might have been mentioned in it. Um, yeah. So it, it would have also been cool to see an actor of color. I mean, obviously, Oscar Isaac is a Guatemalan, right, like, yeah. native Guatemalan actor. Um, but, like, Mahershal Ali has definitely been on a tear the past few years. Would have been cool maybe to see him successfully tied to the production mm-hmm. um yeah but just like a crazy list i remember reading that i was like what like <laughs> how did this go under the radar for so long right yeah but i mean overall like i said if you can kind of get past the like simple plot and little character development you just want to kind of hang out watch a crazy heist action mm-hmm. movie I think it's a fine movie from that standpoint. Of course, I mean, we're not going to win any awards here, but that's not, I don't think, what they were striving for. I think they just kind of wanted to build this heist action movie and just have fun with it, and I think they did fine from that perspective. Yeah, it was definitely fun to watch. Mm -hmm. But moving on to Extraction, um, unless you had any final words for Triple Frontier... Yeah, I'm ready to move on. Yeah, so Extraction is also a Netflix original movie. It features Chris Hemsworth as Tyler Rake, directed by Sam Hargrave, written by the Russo brothers. Um, Tyler Rake, Chris Hemsworth, is essentially this fearless black market mercenary with nothing left to lose when his skills are kind of solicited to rescue the kidnapped son of an imprisoned international crime lord but of course like in the murky underworld of weapons dealers and drug traffickers um this already deadly mission approaches a little bit more grim endings um which will alter the lives of chris hemsworth and the boy so right off the bat i guess did you did you enjoy watching um extraction yeah i what triple frontier isn't in terms of pacing extraction definitely is so it's super fast-paced uh action sequences a la in my opinion sort of like john wick Mm -hmm. in terms of like the close quarter combat and these sort of long tracking shots and just intense visual effects um and what i also enjoyed about it I, i mentioned when we talked about triple frontier was not just like turning down the saturation in every color and making this sort of like bleak under, they make this like very vibrant underworld that's in this very diverse setting. Um, like I don't think I've ever seen a movie that's been set in Bangladesh as well as a pretty diverse cast. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it because, you know, both of these films run about the same time, but I felt like extraction was just like nonstop action. And when you're looking for a good action movie, you don't necessarily want, obviously there's like thematic action movies and there's empty action movies. This one kind of straddles somewhere in the middle. Um, and it was just a lot of fun in like just constant action. Yeah. And I think 
I've come to the conclusion that like these indulgent like um, action based filmmaking scenes, like if, for example, a twelve minute like one shot car chase, foot chase, <clears throat> fist fight, gunfight, car chase again sequence, um, is best when the movie isn't about important stuff because right. it tends to distract from that stuff. Um, like one take, like the one take wonder of what was 1917 was such a feat and then some i think because the movie is more about itself than the actual like horrors of world war one right and it kind of allows it to be cinematic cinematically impressive in that in that um, standpoint but it seems like extraction goes for like maximum direction minimal story and then just a little bit less minimal characters. And I think, again, it was fun. I think compared to like a Michael Bay picture, which is like maximum everything <laughs> until like you just want to die. It, maximum lens flares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's enjoyable to watch. I had seen some things online about like the whole white savior motif, um, which is kind I'm of sure. popular in these types of films, especially... You have the kid Ov even state that he is just oh what is he just a package um, mm-hmm. a brown package I think he even he even says um, so there's that and yeah and even in the way that uh, I think they got Saju is Ov's dad's sort of like henchman who's also ex Indian Special Forces mm-hmm. who is basically on par with Chris Hemsworth Chris Hemsworth's character Tyler Rake in terms of his physical abilities and his like combat skills um, but even so in the end like Tyler Rake still almost like surpasses Saju in terms of like heroism and like Saju dies and then Chris Hemsworth has this like very heroic um, cinematic death um, but if, if you can get past the white savior elements, which there are very strong hints of, um, it's just like a really pretty movie to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, besides the visuals, I think music plays a really important role in action movies as well. Um, mm-hmm. But what I think Extraction did that was really interesting was their selective use of music in some action scenes. And then in others, this like complete absence of music that in almost like a Hitchcockian sort of way where Alfred Hitchcock would like use these very jarring visceral imagery without music. Extraction um, and, you know, uh, Sam Hargrave would essentially also take sort of a similar tactic when it came to these action sequences. It was really cool and kind of left... um, the action to its own devices as opposed to like having to accentuate it with music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I do want to give kudos to Hemsworth for having like such a strong lead to the film. Um, totally. I think it was really cool to see him like speaking in his like native accent of Australian. We don't really get that a lot with, you know, the Avengers and, and Thor, those movies. Um, and I, I kind of want him to do more of these dramatic roles. I think he does get a little Disney-fied in like the movies that I mentioned before, um, and, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is is a whole other thing. But out of those people in that came from the Avengers, I think he has 
had one of the more successful like latter part of his career um we haven't really seen sure. any other one do anything quite as quite as popular like this movie has is like the number one streamed movie on netflix i think right now yeah yeah because i think it came out a little over a month ago mm-hmm. um yeah i would agree like i really found his performance to be really uh powerful and i, th- I would like to see more uh, movies like this with him cast um and honestly like i think what this movie did so well that triple frontier didn't was that it basically stuck to one plot and one theme kind of embedded within that plot as, as opposed to trying to explore multiple and i think chris hemsworth did a really good job of playing like a believable war-torn character where almost every single individual character in triple frontier had moments in their arc that weren't very believable right you know his was very like consistent and i I do think that if i to speak on like one critique i would say that the movie was a little bit too long for what it was um sure the story like was a by the numbers kidnap rescue mission so nothing special there um again the movie shines like due to chris hemsworth presence and like with the Mm -hmm. cool action sequences um they attempted to have like character development and bonding moments with him and the kid but it felt a little forced so i think if you can kind of shave like 30 minutes of like pointless scenes where the movie drags on i feel like it would be exponentially a better film pretty much cut the fat and get to the good stuff (laughs) and again that that runtime just felt a little padded especially for such a simple premise of kidnap rescue mission. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, we talked about the pacing of triple frontier, but this definitely doesn't isn't completely devoid of pacing issues, especially when David Harbour's character uh, of like an old teammate of Chris Hemsworth comes into the play. Um, like, I feel like we could have done without some of that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And I like, so I kind of mentioned the theme earlier, this larger metaphor of the river that they play with, um, you know, Obi's character is quoted saying like you drown not by falling into a river, but being submerged by it. That larger metaphor kind of courses through the entire plot in a way that's really, um, it, it's, it like makes sense. It's, it's tied together in the right way where triple frontier kind of, was confused by its themes, I think. Um, and th- this larger metaphor of the river was really strong. You know, he's obviously like drowning in his like sorrow for his lost son and his wife who left him. And it's not until he is like truly brave that he like emerges from the river, um, both f- physically and metaphorically. So I th- thought that that um, was really, really good, well done as well. Yeah. And we even got a, um, a David Harbor. He dropped in. He- yeah you know chewed on a few scenes um he was good i think that again this movie does action really well i really enjoyed it i don't think it was too over the top um the one shot kind of john wick scenes and sequences Mm -hmm. are really cool um and i think again if it comes down to stream it or skip it i think you should definitely 
definitely check it out. Definitely stream it. Um, we kind of live right now in this post John Wick and Mission Impossible world, so <clears throat> like the bar has been set pretty high for like right. pretty crazy chaotic action movies. So I think Extraction overall does deserve to be mentioned. In that came then that same sort of category. Absolutely, yeah, definitely my favorite of the two. If I were to choose. Yes, yes, yes. But um, next we have Valorant, right? Or are we doing Tenant? Valorant? Uh, yeah, we can talk Valorant. Yeah, cool. so uh, it about a week and a half ago, they sort of took a week-long hiatus as they prepared to do full release. And this past Tuesday, uh, the full version of the game came out. Um, so we have uh, some pretty major buffs and nerfs of a few of people's favorite characters from the beta. We also have a new map called Ascent. Uh, we'll get to some of our thoughts there as well. Um, and we also have a new character named Reyna, who is sort of an attack-style character. But um, what are your general thoughts, Kyle? I think the jump from beta to full release went really well. I think they addressed a lot of issues that people were having, um, whether it was hit detection or some exploits in the map. Even some visual stuff got changed up, whether it was a loading screen or better detail on the weapons, better detail on the character models. I think from like right off the jump, having a company such as Riot listen to their community from the get-go is super important. I think will be very important keeping this game alive and moving this game into what I they hopefully want to go into, which is esports. Sure. Yeah, and you know, along that esports side, we've already started to see uh, pretty high-profile streamers who have been streaming the beta pretty actively been signed to some teams in preparation for competitive Valorant. Um, but yeah, I would agree the jump has addressed a lot of major issues, and I think what is the biggest highlight is not quite the character adjustments of the new map or the new character, but like you said, a lot of like the FPS improvements. Um, a lot of the hit registration problems, a lot of the bugs. I mean, they fixed dozens of bugs, whether it had to do with a map or an ability. Um, so the game just looks and feels a lot smoother. Uh, no more getting like shot at someone that looks like they're sprinting around a corner. Um, you know, no more raging at, you know, map bugs or things like that. So um, they definitely went like all in with the full release. And mm-hmm. I think people are pretty pretty happy with the adjustments yeah i think the you know in true like riot fashion valorant again is free to play similar to league of legends and the store for now is mostly harmless um weapon skins are the main draw running off of valorant points which have a current like five dollar to five hundred point exchange rate i think minus bonuses for higher amounts um there are no loot boxes just a season pass which is a thousand points which is 9.99 um characters are all free but you need to play to unlock more um so i think for now kind of keeping it again i like to use the word harmless is is very good because we don't want this to turn into either pay to win or just an obvious sign that Riot is just trying to get money out of people. We've seen that in plenty of other games. Call of Duty is the most known for this. 
um, with their drops all the time. Um, their anti-cheat technology, though, I think is a far bit more tougher to sell people on. Um, like it, it's live on your PC even when you're not playing the game. Like once you're done playing, you can disable it, <laughs> but like you need to re-enable it before you can play again by restarting your entire PC. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm not sure if there are plans to address that, but yeah, I, I think like you said, their motivation isn't just to, like a cash grab. It's to be taken seriously as like a competitive tactical shooter. Um, and I think when it comes to obviously there are very strong comparisons between Valorant and CS:GO. I think the skill level, especially the competitive level, is going to be higher at CS:GO because um, some of these people's abilities are just broken. Like um, whether it's like the way you select a smoke with brimstone or omen smokes, um, you know the the barrier to entry for this type of game is a lot lower. Um, and I think we're seeing that with a lot of the character changes, and especially the new character, Reyna, who essentially operates as this sort of momentum-style player where you get rewarded for getting kills and sort of like chaining those kills together, and her abilities sort of feed off of that. So I think you're seeing a lot of changes, whether it's the maps becoming easier or the, uh, the agents becoming easier to control and manipulate that make it more like it's welcoming this community of both people who have played FPS or even FPS tactical shooters and people who have never done it before and making it easy for everyone to get along. Yeah, and Valorant requires dedication. Um, for sure. It, it can be you know both exhausting and exhilarating or a lot of times just plain exhausting. Um, like You really get to know like your teammates through it's a best of 24 game, so like Keeping the game interesting isn't, I don't think, too big of an issue. It's not as long as CSGO. Um, the maps, if we want to get into that, I think Split is probably my favorite map as it's a little bit more intimate while Ascent and Bind feel kind of too similar to one another on like several levels. Um, Bind kind of has like this no mid mentality, but it's a bit yeah. more like more boring and action. Haven, you know, on the other hand, has more open spaces than the others, which kind of helps define it. Um, and with Riot, they don't really seem like they want to shake things up too much. Um, it kind of seems like they want to keep the map simple and mm -hmm. uniform to kind of like to the delight of of pro players, like sure. I th um, which is fine for them. But I think everyone else might find the. Uh, how do you like? I don't even know the right word. Like, like, like the map structure. Well, I just think, yeah. So, like, I think they want the maps to be as simple as possible and as uniform as possible because when pro yeah. players play, they'll have the best idea. But I think every like regular casual person who's just playing this game might find mm -hmm. like the homogenization too much. Like after like a few weeks of play, everything like just seems the same. Sure. Yeah, I feel like the one way they have tried to get away from that is with the gimmicks. So each map, you know, has like Split has the rope room, Bind has the teleporters, uh, Haven has three sites, uh, and now Ascent has these weird um, like pads that you can shoot through and these 
blast doors that you can activate. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, Ascent, the new map, is a very big focal point of the new update. Um, and we've gotten to play it, especially because uh, Riot increased you know, the chances that you would get that map so people could experience the new map. Um, what are your thoughts on Ascent? you know, alone. I mean, obviously I kind of, I kind of agree with you on the homogenization thing, but in terms of your thoughts on Ascent, what, what's your takeaway? Um, so Ascent, this is the, yeah, the fourth map of Valorant. Right. Okay. So, um, I think, um, again, it was very unfamiliar for me (laughs) when I, when I first played, um, I think the mid concept, like whenever, whenever you could start, whenever you start around, like you're instantly mm-hmm. able to be in the middle of the map on offense and defense. I think offense has a little bit more of an advantage on this map because of those gimmicks, like the doors you can close, yeah. um, the platforms that you have. I think it is very CT sided. We like or T sided. We like to say that's on offense. Um, but I, I did like it. I enjoyed those gimmicks you mentioned. I enjoyed the, a little bit more closeness. You have a lot of mm-hmm. crevices that you can hide in a lot of corners you need to check. Um, I think maybe if they just pushed back those boundaries or offense a little bit further back, it would give defense a little bit more time and fair, um, time to set up. But sure. overall, I think... I think it was I think it was a good map. For sure. Yeah, I I agree especially on the start points like you were saying, especially outside of like B hall, like the main entrance to B. Uh the attackers and defenders are like right on top of each other and you can essentially get right into the action. Um so I think pushing this back might be a good improvement. Um mm-hmm. initially like before I'd played the map, I'd heard that this map was like dust 2. After playing it, I'm not really sure what like where how that conclusion was drawn because I feel like it's nothing like Dust Two um, on on Counter Strike. You know, Dust Two is a, a map that's dominated by sniper rifles, right? And I found this map to be very close quarters. Um, and the structure of the map to me was kind of funky, but not in a way that it was like a drawback. There's so many like cubbies and corners you have to clear when getting onto sites. And there's all these weird um, like links and second hallways to different locations. Um, so I found it a bit hard to navigate at first. Um, but I really enjoyed it just because it was fresh. Um, and also because it's very conducive to every player's abilities. Um, yeah. You know, like Sova, I, I had a pretty easy time guessing lineups for, um, you know, like his recon bolt. Um, there are some pretty obvious choke points where Sage comes in in handy with her, kind of her stalling abilities. Um, the close quarters make it really easy for Jet, you know, to kind of deny trades for your teammates or sort of get some intel. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think that because there was a lot of pushback on there only being four maps, um, as mm-hmm. we've seen like Counter Strike and with Rainbow Six Siege. There's at least 10 maps and i think riot is a little afraid right now of overwhelming new players with too many maps sure Um, and i think that was a big problem in rainbow six siege which when it first came out had a rotating pool of 15 maps 
with like complex multi-level wow. layouts and i think them starting slow is a smart move but eventually ascent will feel old too if they don't continue to push new maps at least with new seasons when they come out sure um, so yeah I'm, so i'm hoping that we could see you know map five in like in just a few months when season two comes out yeah i thought i saw somewhere that we will see at least six by the end of the year but I, yeah i'm not sure where i read that mm-hmm. um but yeah because if you think about like counter-strike every map and this is why i was talking about the ceiling is like there's flashes and smokes for all sorts of situations in all sorts of different areas that you have to memorize for those maps um so inundating your players with too many maps that they have to make too many adjustments on within a very short time span isn't very like compassionate um Mm -hmm. so yeah i think they're kind of easing people into it especially also with like not having competitive at the start of the full release right so and i think that it was a good idea um you know riot removed competitive mode and ranks from valorant at the launch not only to further like improve on the system but also to give players who didn't necessarily have the beta access to learn the basics um which i think is a good idea um if you're kind of like curious about how valorant's ranked system will work we talked about it in a few episodes ago um but I really like the rank system. I think the ranked emblems could use a little bit more detailing just to be a little bit more obvious in what they are. Um, again, sure. I, I always like transparency. They don't have that transparency yet, like League of Legends or like Overwatch, where you see what points you need to get to the next level. However, you get notified at the end of each game whether your rank went up or stayed the same or went down, which is good because... yeah. In CSGO, we've talked about this before, you can win four games, lose one, and then you de-rank. Right. So it's good to kind yeah, of so see you, that. You're not flying completely blind. And I, I do enjoy at least knowing that my ELO went up or down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So again, not having it now, not a huge deal. But I think, of course, ranked is a lot of motivation for players, especially for us. You know, like we haven't, we played Valorant a lot when it was in beta. We haven't really played it much now. Of course, there's like external situations going on in the world. Um, right. But comparatively, when we have the opportunity to play games, we don't find ourselves playing Valorant because there is no ranked yet. Yeah, no ranked definitely kind of leads me to shy away from the game. Um, I also, you know, knowing that there are so many people who have been wanting to play the beta for so long. Uh, I haven't been playing quite as much, mainly because I want to avoid some of those new players because I try to be patient, but I have a tendency to get a little frustrated with people who um, who don't know the game. But you know, I can have compassion for those people. So if you are playing um, and you encounter somebody who's you know not using a mic or using a character that they might not know, just take it easy knowing that they're just not competitive out yet mm-hmm. uh, and save that frustration for when you're trying to grind uh, the ranked mode. Exactly. So again, Valorant, it's free to play. Um, you have to have a Riot account. If you've played League of Legends, you already have one, so you don't have to make a second one. Um, and yeah, enjoy it. First-person shooter, we enjoy it, and I'm sure we'll, we'll share our thoughts as the season goes on. Um, 
but our final topic is Tenant. So this is Christopher Nolan's new world that he's kind of built for us. It was supposed to come out. Um, well, it's still is coming out next month, I think, right? I'm honestly not. I, I still don't think they've made a decision whether to release it video on demand or if they're going to wait until theaters are open. I think that's still up in the air. Gotcha. So, yeah, we have no idea when, when this is coming out. But when it does come out, we definitely want to go see it. Um, so on Thursday night, not this, this past Thursday, but the Thursday before that, um, Christopher Nolan actually had this newest trailer, the long-awaited second trailer, debuted inside the game Fortnite, which seems to kind of been a trend lately. Fortnite was able to host a marshmallow concert at first. They then showed episodes uh, or trailers and scenes from one of the latest Star Wars episode movies. Then they had a Travis Scott concert. Now Fortnite is giving us our first look into Tenant. Um did you um, you watched this trailer but i don't you didn't watch it in fortnite did you no i haven't <laughs> i actually uninstalled fortnite to be <laughs> quite honest yeah me too uh, the uh the ceiling in terms of skill level and like building and stuff like that has just made it not a fun game for me to play against mm-hmm. a bunch of gen zers who grew up playing minecraft right um right. but i have gotten the chance to watch the new nearly 3 minute trailer which does give us a little bit more of a peek at some of the characters, including Kenneth Branagh's sort of ambiguous villain slash maybe hero. I, I can't really tell from uh, the trailers and a bit more also in terms of the dynamic of this sort of like, like it's Christopher Nolan's movies are mind bending, right. but like this trailer is already as mind bending as like, say the effects of inception yeah back in 2010 (laughs) we exactly we still don't really know what is going on or we don't really know much about exactly what's happening in in tenant but if you're not familiar with it this film marks you know christopher nolan's first big budget sci-fi adventure since interstellar um it does star john david washington and robert pattinson as agents trying to prevent a world conflict of some sort the like whole thing involves some kind of you would say like time manipulating tools but like as we saw in the trailer it's it's definitely not time travel um i think time, yeah and that's that's what's been giving me that's just really been like confusing me i think washington's character calls it inversion um yeah good catch he does he does mention that at one point throughout yeah. the trailer yeah, before we see him at target practice, you know, his his trainer telling him he's not shooting bullets, he's catching them. So I don't know. We might be working with something I don't even know what we're working with. Yeah, like, sure. Again. Yeah, I mean from that indication it almost leads me to believe that maybe this is gonna be more it, it already seems a little bit more like spy thriller, like almost James Bondish, than like a sci fi like Inception or Interstellar. Um, but maybe like tracking clues, you know, he, there's that part where they're like kind of walking past that bulletproof glass and there's bullet holes. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone, he's like, what happened here? And he's like, it hasn't happened yet. So I could see them maybe like following this trail of things that haven't happened yet that then play out in this sort of inversion, 
uh, almost like rewind style. Mm-hmm. But that's just <laughs> that's my best guess, you know. Yeah. Um, if and also if you don't want to be more confused, I do not suggest you dive into the tenant subreddit um, because they have crazy like fan-made theories of like what's actually going on in this movie you know tenant secretly being an inception sequel um <clears throat> there being all these other time related things that is kind of going on um i don't know it's interesting i think again i like christopher nolan's movies they definitely kind of make your head spin after a while you kind of have to take some time after you've watched a movie, especially one like um, Interstellar or Inception. Um, but again, I'm again, I'm excited for it. I like JDW. I've learned to like Robert Pattinson. I like to call him now. Oh man. I, I love Robert Pattinson. I'm a huge fan. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it'll be a good watch. Um, I don't, is there a runtime on it? I don't remember ever seeing a runtime yet. <laughs> I'm not sure, but knowing that it's Christopher Nolan, I'm assuming it's going to be two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah. Just based off of his history. Huh. Gotcha. Hmm. Or well, maybe the viewer will actually find themselves in the past after watching. Yeah, they're reversing past events and present time. Exactly. There it know. is. <laughs> Um, but other movies, um, are you looking forward to any other movies in, that are supposed to be coming out in one way or another? Yeah. Um, I think the King of Staten Island, which is a sort of like a semi-autobiographical Pete Davidson movie is supposed to be coming to video on demand, I think in, I believe like a 10 days or so. Mm. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but it seems like a lot of movies still haven't really decided whether or not they're going to go straight to video on demand or wait for movie, like wait for the movie theaters to reopen. Yeah. Um, one, one that I do know for sure has come to video on demand was Kumail Nanjiani's and Issa Rae's Lovebirds, which is actually on Netflix now. Um, it was actually supposed to be in theaters. I did watch that. Really? What did you think? <laughs> um, it was funny. Um, I don't know. It was. I'm glad it was on uh, straight to video on demand. Um, I don't think I would have felt um, happy about seeing it in theaters. But again, it's just like a funny Netflix. You just kind of turn it on, take it for what it's worth. They're both funny actors, um, and and I laughed out loud in a lot of things. But take it for what it is. For sure. Mm-hmm. King of Satin Island, like you said, looks pretty good. Um, of course, Tenant. I'm still waiting for James Bond to come out. I've been waiting for that. Yeah, I think they pushed that back to like November, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They certainly did. But before we get out of here real quick, we do have one piece of listener mail. Um, it is from Andrew. And he says... What shows cancellation are you still angriest about? And again, if you have questions about television, movies, I don't know, food, local news, weather, whatever whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, you can shoot them to us on Twitter. 
um, at C2C Podcasting or on anchor.fm slash coast podcast. Um, so what shows cancellation are you still angriest about, Mish? Um, show cancellations definitely aren't something that happened very often. And I probably don't watch enough to have watched like a slew of shows that have been canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the only one that really comes to mind and, and that I like truly am or was upset about was the Chappelle show. Um, you you kind of turned me on to Chappelle show at the time, but obviously mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle took sort of like a sabbatical around, you know, the time that the third season was coming out that ultimately led to the end of the show. And I just loved all of his skits and some of his re- recurring sketches. Um but luckily he has kind of come back with a vengeance on Netflix with a couple of comedy specials that have been remarkably irreverent and very kind of reminiscing of some of the Chappelle show shenanigans. So it would definitely be yeah. a Chappelle show. <clears throat> yeah. For me, um, again, like you said, it doesn't happen often. And at first I thought about like show cancellations that didn't even start and i couldn't really think of any of those sure um but the one that came to me was american vandal on netflix oh yeah um it's kind of like that mockumentary web tv series that kind of was like a parody of like true crime documentaries such as like making a murder or serial also on netflix um it was announced that netflix had canceled the series after two seasons um but I really enjoyed it. Again, it was it was funny. It was it was enjoyable. It was just at that time there wasn't really a whole lot out, so and it was kind of popular for its first two seasons that it ran. Um, yeah, there really and, wasn't much out at the time. I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we have too bad. thousands of things to watch uh-huh. again, <laughs> just in time for quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Andrew, that was. Those are our answers. Thanks again for that. Uh, so again, if you like listening to the podcast, if this is a nice little escape for you or just kind of something to take your mind off of everything that's happening, we appreciate um, the shares, the subscriptions, the positive reviews. I mean, you can even give us a negative review if you want. We just won't read it. And until next time, we'll talk at you later. See you then. Bye.